Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll him. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, the Looney Tunes podcast. I am your host, Mark Hallam, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmitz, and it is a multiple of ten, it is a movie episode, we are in the direct-to-video Amblin Productions era, we already did the Tiny Toons Adventures one, which means it is time to delve into a movie that, in between multiple million airings on Cartoon Network, actually built up something of a fandom in addition to its actual show that I don't think any of us really argued with uh, covering for this podcast. And that is, of course, the Animaniacs movie, Wacko's Wish. Yes, it, it is a, it's a beloved uh, movie among fans of Animaniacs because it's the only movie that Animaniacs fans has to offer. So it's, it's very much a, it, it may not be much, but it's our situation. Yeah, it's what we got. I caught this on several Cartoon Network airings as a kid. Oh, yeah. Never fully. Always, like, towards the end, I would catch this. And I, I have memories of, like, the tail, end of, <laughs> the tail end of this. I forget if I even actually... I probably did watch it in full, but it's just been years. Um, I do have some nostalgia for this movie. Just not a lot, because... I don't know. Like, you know, I... <laughs> I think I watched Animaniacs and this in like a very early part of, you know, my, my cartoon upbringing. And I, it didn't like, I, I don't remember all of that as a kid. I mean, I getting into it later, obviously, but, but like, no, I, I remember some bits of this, not everything. Like you said, I've watched, I watched this movie every time Cartoon Network aired it. It was the only way to watch proper Animaniacs for a little while before um, the hub bought all the Amblin rights. And in fact, in fact, Jordan, I love this movie so much as a kid that I think like the like one year where Cartoon Network didn't air the movie, there was a video store, not a blockbuster, not how a video, a a regular like a offshoot rental video store that, yeah. that was that was in my hometown for like a month. It wasn't there long at all. Cause okay. and sure enough, uh, what one uh, December walking through the aisles and go, oh, shit, it's Wacko's Wish. Yeah. Yeah. I watch Wacko's Wish. I love Wacko's Wish. Sure. It's December. I have to watch it. So I yeah. did, in fact, rent Wacko's Wish off an offshoot video store just so I could watch it. Since then, I haven't really watched it since, really. Yeah. It's really, it, I mean, especially... Because Animaniacs did eventually come back to TV, both with reruns and as well with the Hulu uh, revival, I didn't really feel a need to go back to it. Um, yeah. I respect it. I respect that we discussed this in our um, Man Called Flintstone commentary, but Wacko's Wish ha- is, is our favorite thing, which is the series finale movie. In this case, yeah. a direct-to-video series finale movie, but... Not only that, 
it's also their 100th episode, technically. It's yeah, it fulfills the quota. end of the quota. Yeah. What a way to go out, you know? God, I, I wish more shows were able to do that. Yeah, you know, make it big. No, we have, we have some fondness towards this movie, and we had no trouble throwing it in for one of our many movie episodes. And I can only speak for myself, but there's a lot of it that I liked during this watch, and there's a lot that I think that could have been done differently. But it is still very much an end of an era kind of thing, an end of a end of a century kind of thing, which is funny because this came out a couple weeks before the end of the millennium. In fact, it came so close to the end of the millennium that WB re-released the movie a year later to tie in with their um, millennium celebration. Warner Brothers, for some reason, in the year 2000, which again, a, a lot of companies did this in, in 2000. In fact, Disney did this in, the, in 2000 because that would that would have been the year Walt turned 100 years old. So they're like, oh, well, right. we'll make this 2000th new millennium about us, which isn't great. But anyways. Disney so, does but, that, so, you know. Yeah. But no, it's funny how both WB and Disney, and I like how this year is about their studios turning 100 years old, that in the year 2000, even they were separately going, oh, yes, let's make this big deal about us. For Disney, it's about making a big deal out of their, out of their creator, out of their the reason they exist. While with WB, it was, ah, uh, why not? <laughs> why, why not? We'll re-release last year's VHSs, but make it cool. I don't know. Did they have a new, like, branding or something? Like, like I will say, I did watch a commercial advertising it and it's very much like here's our movies from 1999 it's a part of the celebration now don't ask us why buy it again essentially essentially give us more money yeah yeah and it's very funny that this ends up being like the you know end of the millennium and you know run 1999 the very end this was supposed to come out in 1998 the whole thing with this production, if we can go into, you know, background and production and yes, things. Yes, yes, yes. When we talked about the Tiny Seas Adventures movie, we had this whole explanation about how Spielberg wanted to revolutionize the direct-to-video market and, you know, oh, but putting it in theaters, you know, we could do that, that'd be easy, but we could just put it in video and then create this whole thing that isn't really there. Wacko's Wish does not have this. It is as simple as they didn't want to spend the money on marketing a wide release, so direct-to-video it was. And... Because of the production of the show. Because they had the initial... Animaniacs had the initial, like... Like Tiny Toons Adventure, they had the initial season order. And then they went back for more when there was some, some success. But a lot of the stuff they were releasing in seasons two and three and, and four were like extras, things that hadn't been done yet. Things that were being created, especially for new seasons and things. And this production timeline was also culminating in, like, oh, we'll do this movie and it'll be direct to video. This movie was supposed to release on in stores in the fall of 1998, which would have made more sense as a proper finale for Animaniacs. But I think the mentality was that it would take away from the end of the run of the show, which was also around that time in 98. And being that it couldn't exactly be a spring or summer release, it was just pushed a year ahead. Also probably production delays, but I'm just kind of guessing here. The reason why it could be production delays is that this is the first Animaniacs production to be colored digitally. So maybe that did have something to do with it. Yeah, there's some uh, digital ink involved. There's some early CG renders that are used very sparingly because it looks fine, but not prime time. But, um, But yeah, also I think 
also probably helps it be in December is that a lot of it takes place during the winter time. Yeah, and that's that's what I was alluding to. Yeah. Yes, which could which could easily have you believe this is a Christmas movie. It's not. not. It's really not a Christmas movie. It's just there's the there's winter, there's a wish involved. There's snow. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's very much a coincidence. But yeah, they they gave them a whole another year because you know, we can't we can't just put a winter movie out in the summer, so it's just, you know, next December, sure, fine, we'll push it. And while it did, like, again, like, it's a little awkward. It's like, okay, the show wrapped up in 98. That's a whole year or so without Animaniac stuff. But, like, there was still some demand for this. And this did, did do really, relatively well. And the Cartoon Network airings did help it. This eventually did come out on December 21st, 1999. I did not find anything for this day. Did you? Well, it's mostly, it's, it's the song on this day that, that cracks me up. Oh, okay. Because the number one in the U.S. is the normal one. Which is weird, considering what number one in the U.S. was. Uh, number one in the U.S. was uh, "Smooth" by Santana, featuring Rob Thomas. That's okay. the normal one. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, number one in the U.K. Oh boy. Um, if I were to say "The Millennium Prayer" by Cliff Richard, would that make any sense to you? No, no, it wouldn't. You may have to explain a little more. You know who Cliff Richard is? I've heard of the name. Yeah. I've heard of the name. I, I know that he, name, not the voice. Yeah, he was in uh, a 60s, 50s band called The Shadows that was like some early pre-Beatles-y kind of, almost skiffle kind of things. Uh, and then they, he eventually went on to the solo career in the, in the 70s and 80s and has gone on to this day. He had a big hit with the song Devil Woman in the 70s that made it over here. Um, he also was... You'll know him for this as well. He had a big collab hit in 1980 with Olivia Newton-John. Uh, I believe Suddenly is the name of the song. Uh, it was one of the songs from Xanadu. Uh, Cliff Richard sang all of the male lead from Xanadu's singing parts because he couldn't sing. He was just some guy that got from the Warriors. Um, so Cliff Richard dubbed over his thing and, and he got the top ten hit with Olivia Newton-John. But yeah, he, he persisted, had a bunch of hits throughout. Occasionally he'd come up and and do some top ten thing. But he was very, like wholesome and he has some songs about his own christianity and okay. he was also one of those guys that like was very much like like dude we know you're gay i'm not why would you say that i am a very confident heterosexual cliff we know you're gay i'm not why no no i'm manly cliff you're into show tunes you did a show you did a song with olivia newton john admit it no no so in 1999, and Cliff Richard is still a relatively big name in 1999, but in 1999, as this sort of comeback number one, because the, the big thing in the UK is when you have the Christmas number one, if you have the song that's the number one on Christmas, it's a big deal. People will try and do these either charity songs or these 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 big, wholesome, kind things for the Christmas number one, because that's a really big deal over there. And yeah, so... I, I mean, previously, we've covered the UK hits... Um, the song about grandma. What was oh, it? Oh yes, I love you, grandma. Uh, by like grandma, a we love choir. you. There's no, there's no one quite like grandma. Yes, yes. Um, beat recently gunned down John Lennon in the charts. 
there's nothing quite like Chris. <laughs> uh, but Cliff Richard, Cliff Richard had a had a a real rival to that one in terms of kitschy crap. Um, okay. Because the Money in Prayer, named as such because it would be the last number one in the the millennium before 2000, was this song is basically the Lord's Prayer sang to the tune of Auld Lang Syne. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our And Cliff Richard made that a number one hit. Unsurprisingly, I give the edge to Santana. UK, you're weird. Very Let's just say weird. It. Very weird. Oh god my damn. god. It's like if we gave Barry Manilow a number one now. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it is. He's, he's basically British Barry, Barry Manilow. Although Barry Manilow came out. So... I don't know what Cliff's on about. Um, <laughs> there was like, look, I, I stopped being coy about it about 10 years ago. I don't know what his deal is. Yeah, Cliff, come I'm on. saying this to be more like Barry. Um, <laughs> WWBMD, what would Barry Manilow do? What would um, Barry Manilow do? Yeah. Um, uh, in theaters that weekend, or that week, were things like uh, Stuart Little movie, uh, The Green Mile, Bicentennial Man, which is honestly underrated, and uh, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. So things like that were in theaters around the time. Hey, hey, you gotta give him credit. For the holiday season of 1999, pretty good variety. Yeah. Rob that Schneider. Is. Sure. Yeah, Rob <laughs> Merry Schneider. Christmas. Here's a Rob got, Schneider movie. You got Rob, got Rob Schneider. You got Nathan Lane voicing a white cat. You got... Fucking Green Mile. Even Nathan Lane's going, Cliff, buddy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we know what's up. So this is, a lot of people are in the kitchen, but the main chef here is Tom Ruger. Um, he directed this along with Liz Holzman and Rusty Mills. Ruger is also credited with the story and is one of the many credited screenwriters, along with Nick Dubois, Earl Crest, Charles M. Howell. Kevin Hopps, and uh, principal songwriter uh, Randy Regal. Now, originally, before the movie started, I'm like, why does Randy Regal have a credit? Having seen the movie, <laughs> I now know why. Yes. Uh, now, here's the thing. I was watching this movie. I have a mind of like, oh, man, Randy Regal, he, he wasn't had like 15 songs ready to go. No. If you read the end credits, Ruka wrote a lot of the lyrics in this. Like, huh. it really is kind of songwriting credentials. Also, like, working with Randy, you know, honestly. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, no, that's, that's, it's mainly, you know, it's, it's Tom Ruger and a lot, he's heavily involved with a lot of this, which you'll, you'll, you'll notice that Sherry Stoner and Paul Rugg aren't really writing this because they have their other projects at this point. So Sherry Stoner was probably working on the scripts for My Favorite Martian around this time. Um, which, um, Hey, we could do a commentary on that one of these fucking days. That technically counts. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, 
So to, just a curiosity, by the time you reach 1999, where are the Animaniacs at this point? Because, I mean, this is after the spinoffs, right? Like, like, we're, like, Piggy the Brain were done by around this point, correct? Yeah, around this point, um, let me just double check. I have to figure out if the yeah. Elmira, Elmira one was still on. That, that's the one that I'm thinking of. I was like, was that still going? Yeah, that was like, still, that was just wrapping up around this time. That was oh, okay. a 98, 99 kind of thing. Thinking the brain had already wrapped up. Animaniacs had already wrapped up. Um, Freakazoid had wrapped up, um, but was still in, you know, being perpetuated around um, Cartoon Network. Most of them had sort of settled. I think that uh, Hysteria was still on. Yes, it was. Hysteria was still going, and, the, and most of the writers and people were were on that. Tom Ruger was was driving that boat. Yeah, no, so that was all mostly settled. And a lot of these guys were also helping out, I believe, with Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries, maybe, possibly, right. who knows. By this point, we're kind of reaching the end of the Amblin, Spielberg yes. going, let's just do whatever the hell we want era. This is kind of the last breath of that. But both that and um, both that and Tweet's High Flying Adventure, I think, are both yes. representations of like the last of the Amblin. Do whatever yeah. you want. And so yeah, that that's winding down. Um, but uh, but again, they managed to get everybody basically back in terms of the voice casting. I mean, obviously Rob Jess and Tress, obviously Frank Welker and Morris Marshall, all those guys. They got Julie Brown back, even if Minerva Mink isn't really in this one that much. They got Bernadette Peters as um, as Rita, obviously. They got all the good feather voice actors in this. So they got, to play the villain, they got Paxton Whitehead. Interesting case, this. Uh, Paxton Whitehead, he trained with the Royal Shakespearean Company uh, in England, uh, was in Beyond the Fringe, so which it's, it's one of those proto-Python comedy groups that did a lot of really subversive stuff. Peter Cook and Dudley Moore were in it. Uh, he moved over here, became a Tony nominee, did Camelot. Uh, had guested on a ton of uh, TV shows. He, we've covered a project he was in before, Mark. Oh. Hmm. hmm. Let me think. Where would, where would he probably show up? I'll say this. It's not a loony project. Oh, okay. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess either Boris and Natasha or George of the Jungle. It is one of those two. Is it Boris and Natasha? It's Boris and Natasha, yeah. The way you play um, Boris and Natasha. He was somebody in that. I forgot to actually pull up who he was in that. Um, Anton. And I think he was one of the main, like, either villains or, or so, somebody. Sure, I, I. Yeah. Um, he which, was. Which, fun fact. Something. Fun fact of Boris and Natasha. We recorded that commentary on Tubi. It's still on Tubi. It's been like two years since we've done that commentary. It's still on Tubi. You can still yeah. watch some with our commentary if you wanted to. Please do. It's underrated. Despite Sally Kellerman doing her thing, it's actually really underrated and well-written. Um, yeah, but um, we've covered Passion Whitehead before, and he, he plays a sort of Basil Rathbone villain in this, uh, and also Ben Stein's in his fucking... <laughs> we don't like Ben Stein. Do you have any other background about this movie? It was originally going to be titled It's a Wacko, 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 Wacko's Wish, a send-up of its man, 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 man world. And then corporate was like, no, we can't fit that onto a box. That's no. too many words. Cut it down. So they cut it down to Wacko's Wish. Um, 
the animation team. It's a TM. It's a TMS, a Tokyo Movie Shinsha, who helped um, animate this. Uh, this is one of their last uh, productions that they would do as they would stop producing outsourced animation beginning in the two thousands. So they're mm-hmm. like, yes, you're welcome for the fantastic work in Batman. Now please leave us the fuck alone. Leave us alone. Go. And okay. So this production, it's it's great though. They they got to 1999. They were able to make this Animaniacs movie, which is great because this is the last production for a lot of people who either didn't make it to the Animaniacs revival or passed on before the Animaniacs revival. So, for instance, this is last Animaniacs project where composer Richard Stone would be involved as he passed away in 2001. This would also be the last Animaniacs production for director Rusty Mills, who had passed away in 2012. Also, will be the last Animaniacs production for Liz Holtzman, who would pass away in 2014, and uh, Pesto, one of the good, well, the, uh, the the good feathers, um, Ch- uh, Chick Venera, would also uh, pass away in July of 2021. He could have been in the revival if they bothered to bring back the good feathers. No, no, but they didn't want to do that. What's the point of that? Yeah. No. Um, and like, it's funny because in looking up Paxton Whitehead for this, he died earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. Which begs the question, because you were also bringing up the fact that, like, okay, you also have Rob Paulson, who had throat cancer and then was able to fight it off and is still working, thank God. So, like, was there asbestos in that voice recording They all died of cancer. Yeah. Listen, we're not going to infer anything, because it's wrong to make jokes about oh. people's demises. Oh. That's not nice. That's not good. But what the fuck? There was a curse? Why was there a cancer curse on and a fucking maniacs? That makes no sense. Satan preferred freakazoid. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's it's never gonna cancel that. It's so fucking weird and again so, so grateful that Rob was able to fight it to, to break the curse. Thank God. Rob Paulson broke the curse of, of Animaniacs in this movie. So, yes. like, way to go, Rob. Um, way to go. But, yeah, uh, that was weird. Um, yeah. Because it's like, all those, and then it's just, okay, Paxton Whitehead just died as well. That, that's weird. So, getting into it. I think the most single, I think the single most fitting thing about the Warner Brothers opening we have here because obviously, you know, Bugs says the little, you know, the, the, the here's the shield, and Wacko comes in, takes a chomp out of it. I love that, that Bugs just lets Wacko do his thing. Like, you know, there's no use discouraging him. He's like, all right, sure, you do you. And also, I'm pretty sure this is the first and only time that Bugs Bunny has been on screen with an Animaniac. Yeah, it's passing the short. I don't think Bugs ever showed up an Animaniac, so that, that's kind of a big deal. Did, it's yeah. like, yeah. But yeah, we get into it, and there's a really nice opening sequence and opening credits. I find it funny that the character names are bigger than the voice actor and, and director names, but there you go. Um, yeah, you, you, had to, you had to keep that illusion alive. Sure. You know, but um, yeah, they, they get their credits. Yeah. We literally begin with a Citizen Kane reference. 
where Wacko chucks Rosebud into the fire and like, hey, what do you want from us? We're freezing here. Which <laughs> which is great, because at least they have someone on hand who can do an Orson Welles impression. <laughs> like, oh no, we need an Orson Welles. What do we do? And Maurice is just, you know, <clears throat> I'm used to it. What do you want me to say? Oh, that's easy. Rosebud. <laughs> you see? Edward. We then get this nice narration about Acme Falls. And it's essentially presenting this story about Acme Falls was a wonderful place. There was a butcher, a baker, a candlestick yeah, a candle maker. And a mine. But well, no place is perfect. <laughs> By the way, did you notice that the guy that narrates this movie is the good idea, bad idea guy? I was... That was like the one thing I was like, oh man, they don't have any good idea, bad idea references. Sure yeah, enough, he's a narrator. Yeah. That's, that's the unmistakable voice of that guy. Yeah. Yeah, that that's clever. But Acme Falls was as close to perfect as possible. Except for the mime, that is. But yeah, no, it's 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 this whole expositional thing we have here about, you know, this town lived in peace and harmony. And then there was a, a, a struggle for the throne and the main part, where the, the kingdom of Tiktokia, <laughs> which, ah, yes, they've taken our viewer engagements as well. Which, okay. So apparently, Tiktokia is a inside baseball joke because Time Inc. Yeah. bought Warner, hence becoming t Time Warner. That's pretty great. But yeah, no, we have this expositional thing where it's like, oh, you know, the kingdom was taken over by this new king who saw that uh, Plots uh, was to, you know, they, they ran through the money. And so Plots had to tax everyone in town and make sure that he had some money. And, and you know, it's, it's nice. It's, it's a decent sort of, you know, kingdom sort of plot here. I mean, there's a lot of good things here. Like the animation's really polished and there's clearly more of a budget here. You know, it actually, it has the sort of feel of this sort of like old fantasy, old kingdom kind of thing. You know, it's, it's well done there. It's very interesting seeing the scene they have here where um, where Ralph and Plotz have the whole line of people they're taxing. And um, it's very interesting seeing a scene on Animaniacs where all of the speaking characters, including Ralph, Plotz, and the begging poor man, are voiced by Frank Welker. Uh, that's right. Keep the line moving. Please give to a hike. Next. Well... Forgive me, Baron von Plotzer, but I have nothing to pay my taxes with. You've taken my livestock, my land, my home, and left me with nothing to eat. Yes, yes, these are hard times. I can hardly keep the fire burning myself. So it's <laughs> three characters voiced by the same guy that isn't like Rob or Jess or Tress or any of those guys. Here you go, Frank. I also love in this scene, in the long line of people being taxed, there is a very confused chicken boo. <laughs> They tried to get everybody in there. Um, they got chicken doing there. Yeah. There's no sign of Katie Kaboom in this one, nor George Bailey, her father. Um, <laughs> but pretty much everybody else is here. And so we get the first of many songs. Another sub-zero morning, and still there's nothing to eat. My feet couldn't get much colder. Our breath is our main source of heat. We're so far below the poverty line, we're off the graph. But don't fret, seeps, cause things will get better in time, then you go to laugh. Ha! Poverty and hunger abound here. Yeah, it looks like a city dump. There's only one job to be found here, but town needs a new speed bump. 
Acme Falls was a paradise, happiest place on earth. But the tax collectors ever rest, took us for all they And something you'll notice about all of these songs is that they're all patter songs. They all focus on virtually the entirety of the company. They're all a bunch of people going back and forth. There's all group numbers, crowd verses, and there's all a lot that, that focuses not just on the three Warners who can actually sing, but on the people that, that can't. I mean, there are some good lines in here because the whole thing, it's basically establishing, oh, look how sad we are. Look how destitute the town is. You know, look how awful it is right now. And everybody's singing and everybody wants something. It's all to be better. And there's, because it's the winter and everybody's basically freezing to death. And there's the line here that Skippy and Slappy have, you know, even my nuts are frozen. Be careful with that last verse. <laughs> First of all, with the singing talents of Sherry Stoner, I, I see why they went with Jody Benson. Second of all, <laughs> like you get all of these people that really can't do the Randy Regal patter who, who seem like there's some people that try their best like Bernadette Peters who's trying her best or that like um, Maurice that's doing what he can as brain to talk singing along to this but like there's people like like, like Nate Ruger and uh, Sherry Stoner who are trying to catch up and other performers like that like and there's there's also yeah, some of them fall behind. There's also just not a lot to this song. Like, and because the whole thing is like, okay, things are crap. And then Wacko coming in, basically saying, you know, uh, cheer up, uh, never give up hope, which is the refrain of this movie, which we'll get to that much later. And I guess there's enough of a reason for him to be the optimist as he's the least cynical and most childlike of the three of them. But there's no intrinsic reason other than naivety for his optimism, which powers the song. The reason he has this optimism is because he's the lead character. Yeah. That's really the only reason. Because they gave the other younger younger sibling, Dot, a miscellaneous disease. Yep. Let's give the woman a, a rare disorder. I've seen Forrest Gump. I know how this ends. No. No wonder Sherry didn't write this. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it sets up all the stakes there. You know, oh, the town's crap. Dot's probably dying. You know, Wacko's... Stupidly happy. And then we get the song happens. And they're like, all right, fine. Dust settles from that. And we introduce one of probably the best parts of this movie, which is a random subplot where Pinky is in love with a horse. Pinky, okay. Pinky and the Brain, just throughout this movie, are great. Yeah. Anytime they cut to Pinky and the Brain, it's great because a lot of this movie are the songs. And, uh -huh. like, listen, songs are great. Songs are a key part of why Animaniacs was such a hit with kids and, and adults. But comedy was also why a lot of people liked Animaniacs. And, and they yes. kind of assigned all of that until the our third act, really, to yes. Piggy and the Brain. The Warners have to be these sort of heroes that, that, that go about this plot. And a lot of the comedy is... They're in spurts, but not completely there. Not overwhelmingly there like it would be in the show. Banking the Brain, because their side characters get all the comedy and are great and yada yada. But yes, we have this, this subplot where Pinky is in love with uh, Scratch and Sniff's horse, Farfic Newton, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, I like to play the game when we do this show, Mark, of what am I to make of this, where I take something out of context that probably wasn't intended to be um, sexual or have another connotation and <laughs> assign it a connotation. Okay. 
What am I to make of Brain interrupting Pinky's love affair with a horse with Pinky, I need you. <laughs> I'm in the middle of something, Brain! <laughs> what at a time! There's no time for that. Yeah, there is. Uh, hey man, listen. All I'm saying <laughs> that it's 1999. Titanic was a recent smash. They could have done something with it. Near. Far. Wherever you are, Pinky. You're right here, Brad! <laughs> now, now, Pinky, won't you draw me like one of your French mice? Okay, this is still just a picture of his own hand. <laughs> Pinky, that's... No, that's not even a mouse. Oh, it's a mouse, I think. It's my hand. Yeah. Pinky, the depths of your depravity know no bounds. Um, yes. But, but, but yeah. the whole thing is, is... Brain is trying to explain himself. Uh, he's like, no, there's no way you can fall in love with a horse. And Pinky, I, I love the detail of as Pinky explains himself to Brain about true love. The horse is copying Pinky's exact head oh, movements. I love that. I love That's that. great. But yeah, there's this whole thing we have here where, where Wacko is going away to work for a year uh, to the big city. And we'll come back with hopefully some, some wares and something to um, replenish the, the supply. And there is something funny about Wacko coming back with the wages of just half of a penny and everyone's singing and rejoices because it's it's more than they had and penny and pennies are like millions of dollars in this era wait a minute you're telling me that wacko spent a year trying to make it and comes back with a hay penny hey it's our patreon's earnings for the year okay oh. <laughs> i saw what you were doing we're working on fixing our Patreon for the new year. Please. Stick with us. Yes. Please. Yeah, we plans for it. But yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, the, the whole thing is that he has this big song about how great it is to have a half penny, which, um, again, in, in the context of this, it works. But like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you have to put yourself in the mindset of like, okay, getting little to nothing for wages is good in this universe because there's it's more than anybody has. But I like. But again, there's this whole joke about how he can, he can afford anything he wants now that he has this half penny, including <laughs> Lakers tickets, which features a Jack Nicholson cameo. <laughs> yeah, um, I think this is my favorite song out of the movie. I, I can see that only because it doesn't say it's welcome too much, unlike a certain other song that will be yes. that we'll be hearing in like two seconds. Um, yeah, um, but you know, way to pace the song. But but yeah, no, it's this whole thing, and and then immediately at the conclusion of this number, plots here is that there is more money in there, and immediately taxes Wacko out of it, and claims the half penny for the state, and it's awful, and you know, and now there's another song about how everybody's sad. So we've had a song about how everybody's sad, a song about how everybody's happy, and a song about how everybody's sad, where everybody sings, and it's the same kind of thing. So a lot of variety here. Um, As everyone is sad and lonely, we cut back to uh, to the Warners in the shed yeah. uh, of the uh, orphanage. As Yakko is putting Dot to, to bed. Yes. And one of the biggest strengths of this movie, and it's very few, there's like two moments where they actually do this. But the movie's got hearts. You know, this is being written by people who have been with these characters pretty much the entire decade. So, yes. it gives them the assignment of 
okay, let's actually write a heartfelt sequence between Yakko and Dot, because they are siblings. They do care for each other. That's something that they don't show in the series because they're too yeah. focused on being silly and wacky. comedy and things that work. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we have a movie now. Let's actually present a nice sequence. And you know, Robin Tress do a great job acting the scene Absolutely. where Yakko is putting Dot to bed and Don says on telling on to unwind this bedtime story that Yakko has. And it's very nice. It's a very nice, heartfelt sequence that you don't expect from the Animaniacs movie. Once upon a time, a brave knight married a beautiful princess and they had two sons. But they wanted a daughter, too. Right. So they planted a garden all over the kingdom. And on the first day of spring, every flower in that garden bloomed. And out of the prettiest flower came... Me! Yep. And so the knight and his bride, mom and dad, took you home. And every night at bedtime, they'd come in and say, Who's the cutest girl? And you'd say, I am. And they'd ask, How'd you ever get so cute? And you'd say, I was born that way. And they'd say, Tell us your name, young lady. And you'd say, Princess Angelina Contessa Luisa Francesca Banana Fanta Bovesca III. But you can call me Dot. And they'd say, Can we call you Dottie? And you'd say, No, just Dot. Call me Dottie and you die. And Mom and Dad would laugh and laugh and laugh, and they'd tickle you. <laughs> and you'd laugh, too. <laughs> and you'd fall asleep with a great big smile in your heart. I like that story. Good night, sis. Yeah, and, and but they're still, obviously, this laden with jokes. Um, because, you know, there's the whole thing, was like, uh, uh, Yakko, tell me the story. Okay, there once was a man from the Nantucket. Not that story. <laughs> okay. So they can still do that. And But I will say, the animation during the sequence is fantastic. There's so many camera angles that pan around, and there's work with shadow, and, like, it's really well done. And it actually gives some depth and richness to this scene, and, and it lets it be emotional, and, and you buy it. Which, again... It's immediately followed by a, an exchange between Yakko and Wacko. How is she? Oh, not great. Those acting lessons never really sunk in. <laughs> which, which is even funnier to consider, A, Chess McNeil did get nominated for a uh, Annie Award before this movie. And Deservingly B, so. And B, it's Chess McNeil. <laughs> She's an amazing yeah. voice actress. So yeah! That's, that's just hilarious. Now, I will, I will say, the, the line here fits right into a comparison I'm going to make later of just the style of a lot of this, uh, the the line at the very end of that scene where it's, uh, you turning in to what? Good question. <laughs> it's like a Kermit and Gonzo exchange. But yeah, we get our movie up here where uh, there's, there's this very beautiful moment where Wacko wishes on a star. The spirit of this star comes down and... <laughs> The Spirit of the Star is voiced by Ben Stein. Who are you? I'm your desire fulfillment facilitator. Huh? Well, I used to be called the Good Fairy, but that sounds so old-fashioned. Oh. So, I'm your desire fulfillment facilitator. But everyone calls me Pip. Immediately. Immediately, Mark. I was like... Because he has a line here. He's like, oh, wow, are you, are you, are you the fairy? Are you, are you my fairy godmother? Well, I used to be called the Good Fairy, but that sounds so old-fashioned. I thought he was going to be, like, I just the way he says fairy, 
I can already tell his distaste for the gays. Like, I, I don't think I should be called a fairy. That's that's really not like something I want to be associated yes. with. So already, and, I'm like, shut the fuck up, Ben. <laughs> and 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 just to buy context, because I don't believe you've seen this episode. They have had Ben Stein on on the show before. I think they had a segment where oh. Yeah, I think it's like the Warners deal with the most boring man in the world or something. And it's by oh, so Stein. that's who this is. Okay. Yeah, and like all, all his lines now are just like the most boring ass shit to a kid. So yeah, so they brought him back for this. I can see that like coming back into play because one of the strengths of this movie is when they're able to do things more befitting of Animaniacs episodes rather than full feature right, yeah. sweet things. And so this bit where where it. Wacko is playing off how boring Pip is. It, it's it's very loony and very Animaniacs-like, and it works. Because he's like, okay, get on with it. But he's like, I'm going to keep droning on and talking about how great it is. You keep shaking your hand as you try yeah. to break free, my class. Yeah, I'll give you one wish. Oh, is, what about, is the wish to, to, to stop shaking your hand? No, that doesn't count. Okay. Uh, and also, you can also tell that they threw in the whole thing. Well, you have to get to the star in order to make your wish. You can't do it from here. Because we needed a plot, and we needed a whole chase thing, and which and I'm, which I'm actually, I mean, there's like one line Ben Stein says because the, the the star comes down, and he says, "Huh, it's uh, farther than I thought it yeah. that it was gonna be." Which I, yeah. I think that, that was the closest to them going. We know it's bullshit. We know we yes. need to get a story moving. Yes, I don't, I don't know. They probably like more biting line, just like, well, "Why is it all the way over there?" We, right. we need a story to happen. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, a film. All right. Yeah, sure. And, and then yeah. as, as as Ben Stein goes away here, we... Um, um, he stinks! journey, and remember, you gotta cheer up and never give up hope. I love hope. Just cheer up. And never, ever give up hope. Hope, 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 hope. Yeah! Ciao. They try to make Ben Stein try to sing. Fairly odd parents couldn't get him to sing, but Animaniacs did. <laughs> on that point, I did not think I would need to rely on this knowledge for this podcast, Mark. Okay. In an interview with Nickelodeon Magazine, circa 2005, in promotion for Fairly Odd Parents schools out the musical, Ben Stein was asked about the fact that during a musical number... His Pixies character song is performed by Method Man and Red Man, the famous rappers. And he he said something along the lines of, "I would have I would have liked to be given the opportunity to sing. I think I can sing pretty well." Now we know why they didn't. Jordan, I need to know if you looked up that information. No. You, you just had it on. You just remember this that. was in here, man. <laughs> I read that eighteen years ago and committed it to memory oh, because I thought God. it was so peculiar that Ben Stein was saying that to a magazine that children read, like him just saying, "I wanted to sing. Why does nobody let me sing? I would appreciate. I would appreciate if you let me sing. Why can't I sing? Law." Like, which, well, Ben, the reason why is because in School Out the Musical, his character doesn't sing. He fucking raps. Yeah. And if there's one person I know 
If there's one libertarian that is really down with the music of inner city uh, neighborhoods, it is Ben MC Skiddity Bop Stein. <laughs> My name is Ben, and I'm here to say all you other better go away. Anyway, I'm down with that. If the pimp's in the crib, Ma, drop it like it's hot. So, the star comes down. Ben Stein goes away, which is Thank a God. great thing. As the Warners wake up and go, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, well, there's a wishing star now. Oh, oh actually, no, no, because there's a, it's a mad, 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 mad world reference here where Waco goes, oh, well, you wouldn't believe me. And as Jaco goes, tell me, I'm gullible. Yeah, try us. We're gullible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just... And so they don't just talk about the wishing star. <laughs> they sing! Hey, what's up? What's always a noise? The Warner girl and the Warner boy. They're gathered around in the village square. They say there's something way out there. Something weird and something strange. Beyond the farthest mountain range. What are you saying? What do you mean? It's something no one's ever seen. What's the story? What's the buzz? We're about to leave, and that's because... We're on our way to the wishing star. The wishing star? The wishing star? What is that? Haven't you heard? There's no such thing. It's too absurd. What's the story? What's the dish? Touch the star and you get one wish. You get one wish if you touch the star? Where is it at? Is it way out far? It could well be, but we just don't know. We'll soon find out because we're going to go to the wishing star, to the wishing star. Something weird and so bizarre, it fell to earth from way afar. They're on their way to the wishing star. The wishing star, oh yes we are on our way. The Randy Regal magic here does actually work on some of this song. Where the tempo gets faster, the patter gets trickier, pop it pops even more. And we're back to the, the, the Hungarian dances tempo, which means Freddy's still asleep as well. Um, <laughs> but it becomes, it, it starts out as like the three of them singing about the wishing star, and then they tell the whole town about the wishing star, and then everybody else is like, hey, now I want that. And it's everybody singing on top of each other. And look, the song has a good enough purpose, which is to get everybody else in on the chase, but I still get the feeling that pretty much every song they have is a group number relying on all this pattern. There's no real variety, and this is the most excessive version of that because it just keeps going and going and going and having more and more segments to it. And it's just on and on and on and on. And I get it. I get what they're trying to do, but it's just a lot. Here's the thing. If you don't like the song when it reaches this point in the movie, you're going to have a bad time because they bring back this refrain like three or four more times in the movie. A bunch afterwards. of times, yeah. For everyone who didn't get in on it to begin with. Pretty much, yeah. And listen, it was around this point, right around this point in the movie, I messaged Jordan, because, you know, I, I have my ear to the ground when it comes to, you know, Rob Paulson's, you know, doing fun stuff, activities, what have you. And one of the projects he does is with Randy Regal, they go out and perform Animaniacs music, usually with Maurice or Jess or whoever's in town. And a lot of it's from the show. To my knowledge, they don't do songs from Wacko's Wish. They don't do songs from Wacko's Wish. And yes. I mentioned Jordan this. I'm like, hey, you can't find how to do that. And you make it back to me with, because the songs are 20 minutes long. I'm like, ah, yeah. yeah I said even there. Genesis is going, maybe pare it down a little bit. Can't exalt Genesis. Make, um, <laughs> make, it, it, it makes Supper's Ready look restrained. Just, just Phil Collins sitting down going, I will get up and walk away 
which is really <laughs> hard for me. <laughs> we don't cut this down. Take a look at me now. <laughs> I'm sleeping. Anyways, um, um no, but, but yeah, I will say, I will say. I mean, if they wanted to do the, it, it, a free idea to Rob Paulson, if you're listening to this and Ray Rick, if you listen to this, take Wacko's Wish songs and do like a Nightmare Before Christmas live thing. Just show the movie, hmm. and then we get to the songs, have as many of the cast members you can get, perform the songs live. And then for no reason, get a really high Greg Proops in the audience interviewing fans. Hi, what's your name? I'm high right now. What's that? Don't talk about liberty. Don't talk about liberalism. Oh, I'll do that anyway. Uh, yeah. So, just a free idea out there. You can do it for the holidays, for for like a charity event thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that'd be a fun idea. Yeah, and honestly, the best part about this song is a traditional "Pinky, are you pondering when I'm pondering?" joke timed yeah. perfectly to the verse of Hungarian dances. It's so good. Pinky, are you pondering exactly what I'm pondering? All things are bright, but just how will we get the weasel to hostel? It goes on for too long. It eventually ends, uh, mercifully, and then we finally get, you know, because because we get a little reply, a little extra song of Pinky basically singing "Memory" to the picture oh. of the horse. <laughs> I love that so, dude. <laughs> Me too. Take a picture of that. That could be an album cover of something. I don't know what. Pinky stroking the horse photo. Just, I don't know. More people just need a picture of a horse. But that's like, isn't it like airplane? Isn't that something where like, like either there's a picture of a horse or she wakes up in bed next to a horse or something? There's something. I think. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, no, they stay, they stay back at, at uh, Pinky and the Brain stay back at their place and it's like, well, we're going to take, get a head start on them. They're, they're, they're getting out early and we're, we're going to do, it's like, how are we going to do that, right? Simple, with the help of the great Leonardo da Vinci. He's going to give us a ride there? No, Pinky, da Vinci's dead. Oh, how sad. <laughs> it was a funeral. <laughs> it was years ago. And I didn't bring flowers. <laughs> That's oh. stupid. No, 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 no. And then he whacks him on the end with the end of a pencil. <laughs> This is oh so good, God. this whole bit, where it's like, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to build this flying machine. If we were meant to fly, we would have been born with little bags of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. They're the best part of this. Like with the Tungeon Adventures movie, you get somewhere in the middle of the film a segment that feels like it could have been its own cartoon in the regular run of the series, but was adapted into this, which is, I'm referring to the Buttons and Mindy bit. Because yeah. this could have been its own cartoon. It's Mindy's mother is Snow White. <laughs> yes. And she, um, and this was the part that, that baffled me in the most wonderful way. But she okay. asked Buttons and Mindy to deliver a, um, a Marion Barry pie. Marion Barry was the crack smoking mayor of Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh. Oh. That one's for the adults in the audience. Yeah. That one's for all the Norm MacDonald fans. Um, <laughs> some Mary and Barry pie. Okay, you now you're just being cheeky. Mary and Barry, big fan of Mem um, and Minis. Also, did you hear the random George of the Jungle music cue when they panned yeah. up Slappy and Skippy? Yeah, my, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, fitting, because I believe... I mean, I know Joe Hansen worked on George of the Jungle. Did any Animaniacs people work on George of the Jungle? 
I don't think so because I know uh, Sherry was doing uh, my favorite Martian. So yeah, so I don't know. Just, just randomly, yeah. it's like dun 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 dun. Anyway, back to what's even funnier is that um, uh, Slappy does this Tarzan yell followed by coughing, which cracked me up. Yeah. Also, um, one of the things I realized around this point during the uh, Slappy and Skippy section, um. There's, there's got to be a nice way to put this. Oh, okay. There's squirrels, so it's easy. Um, Nate's, um, Nate Ruger's <laughs> nuts were beginning to drop. Yeah. Yes, and, and, and this wasn't just a movie. Apparently, this was also a later season of MAX Problem. Yes. yes, it was. He's getting older, and, you know, it's, it's Tom's son, and, and also Nate probably still wanted to wanted to be involved. Yeah. Finish so, the job, yeah. It, yeah, there's. I think there's slight digital manipulation with with his voice and certain spaces. Oh, this whole, but, because he was like, yeah, yeah, but but yeah, no, he's he's. It's also evident when he tries to sing because he's he's trying to do the high pitch thing, but clearly, like, there's points where his, his voice is cracking a little bit. Which again, I get it. You know, you, you get like kids playing kids. That's gonna happen if the show goes long enough. I get it. But yeah, this is this is just the buttons and mini bit where both of them chasing after um, Slappy and Skippy and. I realized something around this point that I hadn't it hadn't occurred to me in a while because I didn't watch a lot of uh, Buttons and Mindy's segments of Animaniacs, yeah. which is I think I really like Buttons and Mindy cartoons. They're, they're funny, yeah. They're definitely because a lot of Animaniacs is just we're going to do our own thing with these characters, our own types of stories. But with the uh, Bun and Mindy shorts. Those are very much harping the 50s, uh, the babies on the construction site and almost gets killed, but the other... You know, it, it is an old hat cartoon template, but they have a lot of fun with it, and you can tell that we'll, you know, yeah. when you're watching this, as well as other uh, vitamin D products. Basically what it is, it's a Mark Anthony cartoon meets a Elmira cartoon. It's like that. It has more meat than something that's just like a, you know, someone uh, try. you know, it's a ragdolling around a construction site or whatever the hell. No, this is good because Mindy is just so lovingly oblivious and Buttons is such an expressive character. And I love just, there's so many bits in this, like, like the, the moment where Buttons realizes that dogs can't climb trees and has this full body reaction is great. There's a lot of great reactions like that. Also, it, it is kind of funny to hear Frank Welker voicing a dog that can kind of talk a couple yeah. years removed or <gasps> about to. He's exactly about to become Scooby-Doo. It's just, ah! It's almost like he's been prepping for this this entire time. Yeah, that bit works for me. I forget yeah. if we cut to the Warners or we do more song things before we cut back to Picky and the Brain. Um, because if I if they did, I didn't write it down because it was terribly yeah, interesting. No, yeah, I got um. Also, there is one line where uh, I think this is kind of them going with the um with the Skippy situation of making older, which is they kind of write Skippy in this to be a little more mature. He's he he he, he clap uh he claps back. No. Hmm. Well, yeah, sure, why not? He kind of claps back at Slappy in certain points in this, where yeah. 
We, we know Slabby goes. We take the high road and they take the low road and we'll reach the wishing star before them. But sad is me heart until we meet again by the barney barney falls of Acme. We definitely got to get you some singing lessons. Oh yeah, look who's talking. Hey, hey, cheap shot, I'm old, very old. Oh please, like you could sing when you were young? Better than that. Yeah, yeah, give me a break. Which is... Ironic coming from Sherry Stoner, who also isn't that much of a singer. It's like, no, clearly. You're both terrible, but at least they kind of know it. You know, it's like, yeah, "Yeah, we know. Hey, if I was singing, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) Be making Disney money at this fucking point. But eventually, we cut to Pinky and the Brain. Yes. And And this, this, I think, was my biggest. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's my best, my biggest laugh of the whole thing. Because, I mean, it already starts with a funny joke where it's like, oh, you're picturing all these things. And, and it's a be- this beautiful shot of just like, you know, the world we're going to have and things like that. Actually, I'm picturing Fafi Newton's tongue. <laughs> and so there's this whole who's on firsty and build up of them sort of arguing with each other as Pinky is peddling the, the flying machine. And it's like, okay, just stop. Okay. The flying machine plummets to the ground. <laughs> the build up didn't get me, but that did. <laughs> and then, and then oh, eventually, uh, Pinky, they, they, they go back into the air. He's like, "Like, why'd you do that?" It's like you told me to stop. Listen, just ignore everything I say. Do not follow any anything I say. Just keep pedaling, right? And then <laughs> he stopped. And the expression on Brain's face fucking got me. It just, <laughs> it's like, oh shit. <laughs> There's a lot of good instances of brain yelping in pain, yelping Absolutely. in horror. Yeah. In this, it's great. I'm just pulling up the, the, the picture you sent. Of, oh, yes, the look on his face is so fucking good. Oh, man. No! Yeah, so that bit was great. Um, and then we have Plots and Ralph meeting our villain. And Paxson Whitehead is very good at this sort of Basil Rathbone type king. I wrote down here... Jeremy Irons sounding motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And he's making sure, like, because he hears about the wish thing. He's like, well, you uh, you wouldn't want to wish for anything, would you, Plotz? And he's like, and Plotz lists among the things he'd wish for uh, a weekend in Branson, Missouri. Ooh, Andy Williams has a place there. Yes, I like him. <laughs> also, unpopular opinion, Paxton Whitehead can also carry these songs because he has a little bit of singing to do here when he has his own little I want thing. They're on their way to go and touch the wishing star. Those kids are going to be rich, but what about me? I don't know. You'd better bet I'll be getting there first, and if I don't, your life will be cursed. So wish that the wish will wind up belonging to me. I wish. Because he basically says, okay, go after them and kill the kids. He's getting in to kill the kids, but he, he the line in there, you've got to beat out the rest of the cast, which is very cheeky. But, but yeah, he basically says like, "Okay, you got. I mean, if you find the Warners, I need you to kill them." And you know, it's actually genuinely badass dialogue here. You know, but they're just kids. How much trouble can they be? You have no idea. Which is a great line, considering this is episode one hundred. It's like, oh, yes, yes we do actually. <laughs> yes, but I also like here the the idea that the 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 good feathers are under the employ of the king. Uh, unfortunately, this does seem to rob us from an appearance from the God Pigeon, which is always funny when he would show up. Like, hey, 
What's going on? God, pigeon says. It's less Brando and more walking at the end of Mouse Hunt. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, so the, the, the good pigeons are essentially forced by, by the king to listen, follow plots, because I don't trust him, yeah. as they kind of get disrespected, get, if they don't do this, they'll get thrown to the dogs, as, yeah. um, as they eventually escape, and, uh, then, uh, De Niro Pigeon's going, wait a minute, what if we wish for respect ourselves, because that's the whole thing, that they, they got yeah. no respect, so yeah, so they're like, ah, yes, and then they see a refrain of the wishing song as we yeah. go into our next song, which mm. is really kind of gritty on me. Do we really need another song where everyone reestablishes their wants halfway through the fucking film? We get it. It's way too late for an I want song, especially considering that only one person is actually going to get their wish granted, which... I mean, yes, the, the plot has other ideas, but like it's it it feels futile at this point. And there yeah. are at least some good lines in here. Like like the whole back and forth between um Ralph and Plots, where it's like if, if you know, if I were a policeman, I'd be happy. You are a policeman, Ralph. Okay. Well if I were a constable, you are a constable. And if I was a sheriff, you're a constable, policeman, and sheriff. What I really like to do is direct <laughs> the old Hollywood line. Yeah. Yes. And it's around this point, I wrote down a little script. Now, uh, Jordan, I have this in the messenger for you. Uh, do mm-hmm. you want to be the Animanix writers or Randy? I, I'll do Randy. I'll do Randy Regal. Okay. Hey, Randy, okay. okay. So yeah. here's what I think was the opening line, the opening line process for yeah. Animaniacs Wacko's Wish. <laughs> Interior. Warner Brothers lot. Time. Day. Animaniacs writers. Okay, you have to write an hour-plus movie script with every character. How do we hammer this out? Randy Rogel enters the scene. Hey guys, sorry, just got back from Malibu. It was amazing out there. You guys would not believe it. Anyway, uh, I'm good for the next couple weeks if you need me to just like work on stuff. You know, like 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 I, I just give me things to work on. I need to do something. I need to be restless and busy and shit. Tom Ruger looks at Sherry Stoner <laughs> and. <laughs> says, hey Randy, how many songs do you think you'll be able to write? About like 40 minutes worth? Oh, like most definitely. <laughs> Alright. Tom looks over at Randy, then the writers, and goes, we need you to write most of our movie. <laughs> Can you do that? Oh! And scene. But yeah, no, it's 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 there, there. There are some good lines in the song because one of the actual things that I I like about this, I mean, because there are some decent wants in here. Like Hello Nurse wants to be respected for her ideas That's rather good. than her looks. That's good. I, I like that. One. There is the line here. You know, if they want me for my brain, Hello Brain, cut to brain. I'm not amused. Not amused. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, I love Slappy and Skippy's refrain because I was wondering, like, wait, why are they joining this trip? It's just, um. Uh, Slappy wants retirement. She wants to be rest, relaxation at last without the music of Woodstock annoying her. Yes. And Skippy is just being around kids his own age. Which, okay. Yeah. 
That's that's, that's, that's that's just what that's just what um, that's what Nate wants. I don't want to be locked up in a uh, recording studio anymore. Honestly, yeah, it's like listen, I love you guys. I need people my own age. I'm tired of being around yeah. forty year olds. Please, yeah. what's wrong with forty year olds? We're fun too. Here under protest is fun. And to quote this very song, you know what would make me very happy, Jordan? What? That this Animaniacs movie would have more comedy in it. Yes. Because it's trying to be sweet and it's trying to be wholesome and and, and good rather than funny. And I mean, yeah. maybe that sells more, but like it, it's 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 missing. It, it, there are some jokes here, but they're they're few and far between. Versus how inundated they were in the the movie, in the the show. The song ends as we reach this bridging sequence, which sets us from Act 2 to Act 3. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. And they see, like, you know, this this bridge over, like, a a large cliff face and and just looking down. And there's a good exchange between Yakko and Wacko. Did you get Vertigo? No. No, me either. I've seen that movie about three times. I still don't get it. It's a good one. What's great about this next section of the film is that they actually allow gags to happen. Yeah. Because, like, you know, because they cross the bridge. And I was wondering why they had the Warners cross the bridge without there being that many jokes. But then we have Buttons and Mindy trying to cross the bridge. And Buttons, like, being this sort of, like, you know, like, hanging in between some of the planks of the bridge and letting Mindy cross... And then you see the hip hippos coming and buttons panics. For no reason. This is the first time you've seen the hippos in this movie. They're just there. We're a punchline. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) You know. We heard this movie didn't have enough comedy. I don't think you're that funny. Well, we're the best you got. Okay, fine. Um, Yeah. So you have all these these things, these calamities occurring. Like you have the good feathers flying into the flying machine and it comes crashing down almost into the crevice as Farfic Newton won't move the car. And then they land on the Hudson and they become heroes. And okay. <laughs> Leave Chesley Sutherlandberger out of this. Um, Everybody's but, talking about Sully. Um, yeah. No. Um, no. No, no, no. <laughs> I do love that this is what gets Farfrag Newton to move, is just the sight of seeing Pinky falling from the sky. It's like, all right, that's my cue. And then there's these, yeah. this chase sequence that happens, and it's it's plots trying to run the Warners off the road and getting them into thinner and thinner versions of their, their sled to the point where, like, they're they're essentially surfing down the thing after a while in extreme sports. Um, <laughs> Tweety's high-flying adventure, extreme sports. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, actual tensions here. Things are happening. Great gag work. High speeds. You know, things are happening. Hooray. I really do feel like when they were doing, writing this movie, it's like, okay. Because it is also around this point that the songs stop. They yeah. just stop. They stop all the songs. And, and so, so it really feels like it was them going, okay, we need a breather. The audience needs a breather. And yeah, the audience needs a breather from all the damn songs. So it's just, okay, here's this nice, fun sequence. It's gags. It's animation. It's not going to be up in your face. You can actually enjoy some good animation from TMS. Yeah. And it's really well done. Yeah. I also really like how because of this craziness, because um, the reason that uh, that Professor... 
Stretchdiv is coming along with yes. this because he's the medicine man in town and his cure-all is crap. Nobody likes it. It doesn't work. Yeah. And because of this craziness with with uh, all the potions going everywhere and they actually create a potion that works. It's actually yeah. it's a cure-all that actually works and everyone drinks it. Um, the waters even give it to plot switch. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. Fine. We're done with him being the villain, I guess. All right. Essentially, yeah. yeah sure. That's fine. As um, they all come together, and Waco does his iconic Maurice LaMarche provided belch, yes. which then leads to an avalanche I like to call the avalanche of let's move the plot along. Pretty much, yeah. But it's, it's a really good sequence, though, and it's well paced and the music, but. But yeah, it's basically like, all right, we're, we've been sitting still for too long. Let's 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 keep it going, guys. By the way, we skipped over a very funny sequence where Farfik Newton saves Pinky in the brain, and um, he, he as, oh, as a, yeah, yeah. a token of appreciation, he almost eats brain. And I love, I, I laughed at Brain's muffled screams from inside of Farfik Newton's mouth. <laughs> but yeah, no. Eventually, you know, the Warners think they're they're reaching the um, after the avalanche thing, which doesn't really do much other than keep the plot going. Uh, the Warners think they're reaching the star. And then, of course, you know, villain Ex Machina and everybody's detained, and you know, we're at that point in this in the second act. I do like the detail of the king turning the area around the wishing star into a full military compound. <laughs> sure. And then just just the pan and just. All, all, all of our heroes and Chicken Boo. <laughs> sure. Welcome back, Chicken Boo. Which, which, okay. Yeah. Which I'm asked. I didn't catch Chicken Boo the first time. So I'm just okay. watching it go like, what the fuck? Like, all right. Chicken Boo's there. Which, chicken which, Boo. Funny enough, they don't do anything. With, they don't have someone go, he's a chicken, he's a giant chicken. They just have him there. No. You know? They, 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 they ran out of things to do with him. Essentially, um, yeah. But finally, finally, we um, we get the Animaniacs doing Animaniacs things. Close to an hour into the film. Yeah. We actually get, you know, the, the Warners messing with the king. And it's initially in a small spur where we have a 40-second bit of, him, of them messing with him and introducing themselves and being ridiculous and annoying him. And after... You know, after they're about to basically like be killed, is like you know what we can work out a compromise. You know, because we have secrets or something, and it turns into basically an Animaniacs cartoon where it's like okay, you know, they, they convincing him to give them a full meal or, or make, making him think he's got something in his teeth or, or screwing around with him, um, begging him to adopt them. You know, I'm not your father. That's not what mommy said. You know, there's this game show <laughs> bit that I love. It's it's basically it feels like an Animaniacs episode, and it's great. It is. I love Wacko. It just Yakko has a nameplate. Dodd has a nameplate. Wacko is just X. There is no yes, name. Yes, exactly. I, mean, I love sure. that. There's this bit next where he leads them into this dungeon of their worst nightmares. Which, being that this is a base he set up in the middle of 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 the nowhere in the Arctic or whatever, how is this? He's how has he already built this up? How is that there? But you know, whatever. And we get all these characters from past episodes of the show. We get this Jerry Lewis character that's, I think, Mr. Director or whatever the hell. Or we get this Barney character that terrorized them. And we have all these callbacks to the show proper. Yeah, it's almost like they really restricted themselves. Like, okay, 
We can't reveal the It's Our Last Animaniacs production until now. Okay, for all the references. Throw all the references in there. There's a reference to Potty Emergency with the uh, the Harvard restroom. (laughs) Yes, I love that. And then after that, we have this bit where Yakko, finally a good Yakko being himself moment in this. He riffs on yeah. the literal quality of wishes, and it's actually a very smart yeah. play on a lot of fantasy stories. I think all of these gags really work. The, the one where it was um, so, something like beauty and uh, youth and beauty. Ah, how about I wish for youth and beauty? Huh? Here you go, a kid and a horse. Here you go, a kid and a horse, and it was Ralph Phillips. Also, the, the one that I love is like, it's like, oh, uh, I want fame and fortune. Yeah. Okay, we go. Here, here's fame starring uh, Irene Cara. Irene Cara, and here's here's a subscription of fortune. It's like, oh no, yeah. no, no, no. Okay, okay. I want a million bucks. Two million bucks. Just be glad it's not mating season. Cut to one buck, Horty. <laughs> Just look it over. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. And then around here, he finally tires of him. The Animaniacs cartoon ends, and he orders the Warners killed. And oh no, the plot! It was around here that something very important occurred to me that shouldn't have taken me this long in the special to occur to me. The captain of the guards is supposed to be Dennis Hopper. Sorry to do this, kids, but it's my job. So let's get it over with. Any last requests? Yeah, set us free. No can do, pretty missy. I have my orders. Please let us go. No way, man. Forget it. It took this long for me to figure that out. I thought it was just like Rob or somebody just doing a funny voice. No, it's a Dennis Hopper impression. And it's like, it's 60s and 70s. It's it's easy rider Dennis Hopper. Because he's going, you know, so this man, like, oh, she's too cute, man. Ah, it's, it's, it's just like swatches of Frank Booth and easy rider and... Apocalypse Now and things like that. Just him going too crazy in Method. Um, and, like, they actually... He's actually really effective in this. Land. First of all, because he he falls victim to Dot's cuteness and lets them go, which, of course, that's going to happen. Because then, then it actually lets them, you know, go toward the star, and we get some of the parts in this everyone remembers, because we have... A, he fires a, a, a cannon at them, and it hits Dot, who's already not doing well from... Her, her operation or whatever, and we have this really effective death scene for that. Once upon a time, a brave knight married a beautiful princess, <laughs> and they had two sons, but they wanted a daughter too, so they planted a garden, <laughs> and out of the prettiest flower came me. And they'd say, Tell us your name, and you'd say, Princess Angelina Contessa Luisa Francesca <laughs> Banana Fana Bobesca the Third. But you can call me <laughs> Don. And they'd ask, Can we call you Dottie? And you'd say, No. <laughs> Just Don. Call me Dottie and you die. Honestly, one of the most effective scenes in the movie. These are writers who had who had a character for a decade going, okay, if we actually had to write a death scene for Dodd, yeah. what would it be? And I, I like a lot of this 
had to have been, especially when you consider also Tiny Tunes, these people, they know Rob Entress's strengths as actors. Yeah. They, they knew, okay, <clears throat> they can pull this off. And goddamn do they. It, it's so well done. And even as a even as a kid, I remember this being pretty fucking like holy shit. Like especially yeah. when, because again he, they, they go to tell the story again. Except when Dot says, "You know, call me Dolly, or else you'll die." And die. then she dies, mm-hmm. and then just come over to the Dennis Hopper impersonation, going, "She's dead. You killed her." It's like fuck. Okay, damn. That's what put it over the line for me. This is what get Dennis Hopper to turn against the king, and it's great. Shit gets real. It's like, yeah. damn. And then, of course, we kind of come to realize this is all a bit in order to distract the king and everyone yes. as Wacko yes. is running towards the star. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a callback to the beginning where it turns out the acting lessons did pay off and it's just really good stuff there. Um, was this around the time where, um, where there was the, the light, where it was this beautiful sort of background and, you know, the sun rising or whatever and of, of, of wacko heading into the, the, where the star is yeah. and there was this beautiful yeah. shot and, 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 and Yako goes, Mr. Spielberg loves this shot. <laughs> Which it's entirely possible. That could be real. Just yeah, probably. Just going, oh, I love this. Go like, shit, write that down, write that down, get Rob. <laughs> we had to put this line in. It's really funny. Wacko jumps onto the star, hugs it, and immediately Doc gets up like, I, I, I feel better now. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. It's great. And then and then Wacko gets his wish granted. Because Ben Stein would be like, I don't remember you're doing this. Please, please and- put down your wish after the beep. Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, it works. And it turns out that Wacko wished for two half pennies, which makes him the richest person in Acme Falls. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes little to no sense, but sure. Um, and it, like, again, like a lot of the stakes of this movie are just like exaggerated. Like, okay, it's, it's to get money, but even two half, an entire penny will make them wealthy. And, you know, like, and we see, like, okay, Dot wants this operation, the home movie. Oh, it turns out just to get a beauty spot, just so she could look even cuter. Fine, sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, no, it's the whole thing where everybody kind of wins, and we, we get, I think, too many loose ends tied up, because we get everybody getting their wishes granted, and well, we have both plots. I think, I think because yeah. this was their last production yeah, okay. I, I think they wanted to just listen let's do one really big final gag with all the characters I, yeah I, I think it's deserved the thing the the thing that's funny here is that, okay they're, they're tying up all the loose ends and giving them all the the ends of their plots and what's fun <laughs> what's funny is that both plots and what was the other one there, there's multiple plots that end with a happy ending of capitalism happening um because <laughs> plots gets his own burger franchise and yeah, and uh, Scratch and Sniff sells, sells the formula, and it becomes a famous soda. Yeah, it's basically Coke. So yeah, yeah, capitalism wins. Um, and you know everybody gets what they want, and you know it's, it's simple. And and of course, you know, and, and they spell this out 
over the course of the movie. So it's not really a shock to us, but apparently the Warner's parents were actually the king and queen and were taken out uh, in a coup. And uh, they're actually the rightful heirs to the throne and get that again. And so, yeah, that, that's nice there. And they throw the king to the dogs. And I really like that Brain gets to be the prime minister. And <laughs> I like the, um, you know, the tomorrow night thing, which is um, that they're, they're going to take over the kingdom in the sequel, which is great. <laughs> and yeah, and then we have the, and because again, I, I knew it was the last one. So we end on the whole town doing the final wheel of morality which isn't even a throwaway moral. It's the same moral, this whole thing, which is, you know, is cheer up and never give up hope, which um, maybe worked for kids in 1999. 27-year-olds uh, in the midst of dystopia late in 2023. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we end on that note. Everyone got a happy ending, except for the mime. Yep. <laughs> which, where his happy ending was being perpetually crushed by Yakko. <laughs> sure. Yes, as as we get the end credits, which which are actually which are really nice end credits, which is something the Simpsons movie actually did later, which is yeah, you voice out your name and put it to the character, so you can actually you can tie the name to the character for their six years of uh, of service, which is very nice. Yeah, like it's the right thing to do, and and, and what really sucks is. Because at the end of every Animaniacs episode, there's a little joke at the end. Like, okay, bye. And then it just fades out. There's no end joke here. Like, no. No. That's it. End <laughs> the movie. It's too sweet to have an end joke. The enter they could have done is just take the pinky in the brain sequel idea and put that at the end. But uh, that's something they could have done. But, um, but then there was yeah. no sequel. Because there was cruelty. No <laughs> one gets what they want. Oh, don't worry. They'll come back in 2020 with... None of the writers, and yeah. more of the cast members, and one yes. composer. And an episode that made you angrier than I've ever seen you. Yes. Yes. So, I equate Wacko's Wish to something like Muppets Take Manhattan. Ooh. It is a fine enough affair with really sweet messages and really classic feeling tones but I am not wild about a lot of what the plot has these guys do. The Warners really don't get to do their thing till way too late. A lot of side characters don't get a ton to do at all. There's too many songs, all of which are pretty much the same. The tone is too nice and saturates a lot of the gag work. And it at times over explains just to make sure that kids are getting it. There's a lot that does work about this. A lot of the gag work that does shine through is great. There's a lot of choice lines, a lot of great performances, obviously the animation is better. This does work more often than it doesn't, and it's more fine than truly awful. It doesn't have the sharp edge that the series itself thrived with, and I think they needed yeah. to do something more wholesome and sand it off in order to appeal to a wide audience, which didn't exactly work, as this didn't exactly fly off the shelves. I mean, it did well enough on video, but it didn't, like... There were no sequels to this, so I think that it could have been a bit more reminiscent of what made the show great but as it is it's still fine it still has some strengths it still does some things right it's just not perfect as a muppets from manhattan defender <laughs> i agree yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean i said i i i love the i, I love the movie because it's because it's because i don't know honestly I, I just really like all muppet stuff so i'm like oh, yeah, yeah. Muppet Manhattan. It is very much a more grounded Muppet movie. 
which that's what happens when you get Frank Oz directed by the movie, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, anyways, regards to this movie, regards to uh, Wacko's Wish here. Um, are there too many songs in this? Yes. Yeah. Do they go on for too long? Yes. Yeah. Is the story heartfelt and makes you feel good by the end? Yes, actually. Yes. Uh, look, this was... Okay. Yes, this was a bit of a nostalgia trip for me. Learn from the first frame, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yep, this is the beat. Yep, oh, I, I know every word of the song. Great. Um, I love this movie as a kid. And besides, I feel like it did... It did meander for a bit. I did have a good time watching this. Also, something to note. Um, I never kind of funny how like it's called Wacko's Wish, and yet I would argue the character that has the least to do is Wacko. Yeah. <laughs> like, every yeah. other character has a funny moment, a good song moment, or like Wacko isn't really given much to do in this movie. It's very much yeah. just like, yep, I'm the designated lead of this film, which. Even sure. as a kid, I think I remember going like, "Shouldn't Yakko be the lead? Like he's much more interesting. He's a lot more." About yeah, no, it's it's complicated, but it's it's good, and there's some good things about it. It's just not perfect. Um, you know, it's it's they put a lot of effort in, and they they did a lot to make sure that this was the best product they could, and I think that goes a long way. And that effort with from this crew, I think, doesn't go unnoticed because there's still a lot about this that works and a lot that's really funny and really good it's just not all the way there but you know i'm not gonna not watch it when it's on cartoon network yeah yeah exactly the, the, the most i could say about it is that maybe this became instead of an every year watch for me around the holidays maybe now it'll become like an every other year or something yeah. like that i don't know because yeah. if i want to watch if i want to watch Animaniacs now, it's a lot more easier to access. Well, legally or not, that's complicated best on who has the streaming yeah, rights, but uh, whatever. All right. Um, regards to Anvil ratings, I'm giving Wacko's Wish four out of five Anvils. I'm giving it 3.5 out of five Anvils. Let's see what you guys had to say about Wacko's Wish. Hey, wait, no, we have an actual comment to record for Wacko's Wish as we're recording this episode. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, our friends at Pointcast, who um, they do a podcast on Pinky and the Brain, uh, they're big Animaniacs people, um, they responded to this. They, first of all, in, an, in a period where there has been a lot of people that have been saying really cynical things about the Animaniacs reboots. Boycast has not done that and has said very nice things and very constructive things about it because that's kind of what we're going for. So we appreciate that quite a bit. Uh, but in regards to uh, Wacko's Wish, just in terms of when we're recording this, uh, Boycast says, while Wacko's Wish has its flaws, which it does, yeah, of course, yeah. there are some funny moments in there and it works as a nice send-off to the original series. The Pinky and the Brain subplot is still my favorite aspect of the movie. Mine, too. Agreed. Agreed. It's just... Oh, uh, it, man. It's one of those things where you can tell, especially by the time they got to Ryan Wacko's Wish, <clears throat> the Pinky and the Brain series was long over. So they're like, yeah. oh, wait, we can write more Pinky and the Brain and just them. We don't have to write Omira shit this time. We could just write a Pinky yes. and the Brain subplot. Yes! Yeah. Yes! 
Uh, <laughs> yes, obviously the thing in the brain stuff is really strong, strong because like they were able to still be funny and still be themselves without being really the tools of the plot of the film, which is not what I can say for uh, the Warners or some of the other characters in this. It they allow Pink in the Brain to be themselves. Thank God. But yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. There are some flaws, but it's still generally a pretty good time. There's a lot to like about this one. Absolutely. We have a lot of comments this week because a lot of you guys are really passionate about this movie. So I hope you enjoyed what we had to say about it. Um, friend of the show, uh, Cody at the Whisper of Sea. He says that uh, Wacko's Wish felt so special as a kid. God, I miss TV channels promoting their Christmas shit. Yeah, Cartoon Network would always really announce when this was on, and they made yeah. it a whole event whenever they would air it. And I, I caught airings of this all the time at Cartoon Network. So, yeah, I wish when they would really do that, other than just saying, okay, here's something. Enjoy it, I guess. Instead of just like making it a big deal with a new narration and music and making it seem kind of a big deal. Which was which was a lot of the cartoon theater after at the time as a kid, just like it's a big deal. We're showing this movie tonight at eight o'clock. Be there. Yeah. We're showing the Iron Giant for twenty four hours. Don't yeah. ask us why, because it was cheap. Yeah, we also have a comment here from T Lion, the pop culture fan. Yes, at T Lyman two thousand, who says that when I rewatched this movie, I didn't know they had a. A caricature of NPR radio personality Tom Bodden as a fairy. I knew the voice sounded familiar. I didn't know that. Familiar, so I on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's, it's Ben Stein, unless that was his code name. No, um, no, no. I think that it's Ben Stein doing an impression of an NPR person. Because I don't listen to a ton of NPR as much as as much as I do NPR gags on this show, I don't listen to a ton of NPR. So, like, that is very much a out-of-the-box idea from the Animaniacs guys. It was like, all right, we're going to do an NPR guy here that the kids never heard of. Oh, oh, okay, Arn. I think they're confused. So uh, Tom Bodid was the narrator for the movie. He was the good idea, bad idea guy. Oh, okay. He was the narrator. Ben Stein played the fairy. All right. Uh, we have one here from – we have a long one here from uh, Sal at Sal Free Apps. Long anecdote here. Uh, South first found out about this film. Their driver's ed teacher rented Dennis the Menace from Blockbuster. Needed to return after class. Never watched it, so he showed it in class. The ad before was for uh, Wacko's Wacko Wish, and it was just a snowflake. I always associate the gill with driver's ed now because of that. Good songs, okay plot. That's ba yeah. I I thought that both the we think we both said the songs and the plot were okay, but yeah, the songs yeah. They also like uh, we get to see a bit of Daddy Yakko in the way he cares for Dot that fanfics hinted at. For we're on uh, strange territory mm. with this tweet, aren't we? Hey, we're not gonna slam against fanfiction. I have had experience with fanfiction. Jordan, you've known people who had experience with fanfiction. Yeah, my, my my ex wrote a lot of fanfiction. Yeah, so like nothing against it. Yeah. Don't send us the Daddy Yakko fanfiction. Yeah. And also maybe don't like at Rob Paulson on social media about it. Yeah, exactly. No. It says my brain is still trying to work out how the royal family in this film is related to Anvilania. My never brain kept trying to make a one story. Still mad about Dot's actual illness, but what it was, but respect they kept it for the end, which, yeah, but it, it could have used a slightly better payoff, in my opinion. Kind of mad they didn't use it for the reboots in the reboot se series. Not my favorite, but enjoyed it. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what it is. We we like this movie, even if we have some... Yeah, um, again, I, I think the, the best way to put it, which I, it's, it's why I brought up in my final thoughts, was 
I think the best way to look at Wacker's Wish is to look at it like the Warners finally get to make a movie at Warner Brothers for the first time ever. Yeah. You know, they had nine yeah. episodes to establish themselves back in the studio. And this is like plots essentially going, okay, fine, fine, what yeah. do you want to make? And then just the Warners give him Wacko's Wish as screen goes like, yeah. Well, we'll do it, but we'll do a direct video. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's it feels like a Muppet kind of story in that respect where you can yeah. tell they're playing characters and all that. So I like that. All right, we also have a comment here from Aaron O'Leary who says that Wacko's Wish is really the movie for a true Animaniacs fan. Any Animaniacs fan is an Animaniacs fan. Right yeah, you don't need to gatekeep. The part where Doc Water supposedly dies in the arms of her brother Yakko can really bring a tear to your eye. Yeah, again, absolutely. Like, Tress McNeil and Rob Paulson are really good actors, and they can really get that across, even the most silliest of things, like an Animaniacs movie. No, I, I agree. Um, we have a comment here from Eric Faulkner at efalk 84 says, DreamWorks and Disney are stealing this story for profit. I kid. It's interesting that we have a trilogy of animated movies about people trying to use a wishing star for their benefit. This movie, Puss in Boots 2, and now Wish by Disney. I think without even seeing Wish yet... That Puss in Boots, uh, The Last Wish, is the superior of these. I don't know whether or not Wish will be better than this, although from what I've been seeing, it's going to be tough for it. Look, all I'm saying is as much as I you know, like Disney and like the, the, that they're doing this big 100th uh, year movie, is Wish going to have a Jiminy Cricket that is a Jimmy Stewart impression? It's not. No. Then I'm going with Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. What a film that is. What a film. Oh, Fun fact: When I saw that movie in theaters, I, I saw that that Craig go up, and I, I immediately went, "Oh, George gonna fucking love that," and I did. I so <laughs> did, and I do, and I love it. Oh my god! Uh, Wacko's wish rewished, and yeah. we rewished, where they loved it so much that they're doing a project to do a reanimated campaign for it. Which, hey, wow, okay, go for it, yeah. Just judging by some of the stuff on this account's Twitter, I mean, it is pretty cool. And I, I like how they use different animation styles. So it could be something. Okay, and we have AJ Gudino, uh, Daniel uh, Gudino here, who says, uh, this finale slash straight-to-video film was actually my introduction to the series. This is a pretty good introduction. I think that it tells yeah. you everything you need to know about these characters, uh, the show's mentalities, the singing and all that. Yeah, so... Um... Thank you, everyone, for your comments this week. Um, well, were you expecting as many comments for Agatha Wish, Jordan? Because I, I kind of wasn't. Because I, I, I was thinking, like, it's October. It's a little bit of an awkward time to watch a wintry movie like Wacko's Wish. But, uh, yeah. no. But y'all love it, and, and we appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you all. Uh, before we get to what we're doing next week, we just want to take this opportunity to thank the people that have subscribed to our Patreon. People such as Triscrew, Andrew, James Irish, Sam Adams, the, the guy, not the drink. They have, um, have helped us out by pledging anywhere from a dollar to five dollars on our Patreon. And they get perks like being thanked in the middle of an episode in addition to their commentaries that they get that we record as well as early access to episodes and handwritten letters from me and also playbacks of live streams. So if you want to become a patron just like those four that I thank them to this episode, you can follow our patron 
at patreon.com slash TNQAF. All right. We've made it past the movie episode. And I have... <laughs> what are we doing next? Because I... I... I, I, it's always like that. I, I, you, you look up to the movie episode and then you forget to look past it to see what you're landing on afterwards. So, um, well, what amazing things away to say. Well, Jordan, I'm trying a tried and true technique, which has only failed me one time, which is we're going to be covering a Wiley Coyote Roadrunner project. Okay. And that project is, you know, because Wacko's Wish aired on Cartoon Network, so why not? Let's look at another Cartoon Network aired special. For next week, we are covering the big game, Wiley oh. versus Roadrunner. Oh, okay. Right in the middle of football season. Yeah. This, we covered the um, Bugs versus Daffy one, right? Yep. Yes, we did. Yeah, and that, and that was a, a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun because you could tell that a lot of the adult swim writers and a lot of the Cartoon Network people that were good comedy writers were helping out on that one. Um, we loved that big game. I am very excited for this one um, just because I love talking about the era of Cartoon Network. Um, so we're going to have yeah. a good time with that and hopefully get some good stuff from our friends Harry Callis and John Madden and um, uh, what's his name? The other guy. That John Madden does a broadcast with. Yeah, yeah I should yeah, know yeah. this. I really should know this. The guy that sounded really funny in the last special. <laughs> God, it'll come. It'll come to me by next week. Um, All right. Yeah. So stay tuned for some more fun. Wildlife Coyote Roadrunner shenanigans put through the lens of the National Football League. Hell yeah! All right. So that is the end of this week's show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at MarkCalum1995. You can follow me at TallGuySchmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow us at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first results. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Amazon Music, uh, we have a YouTube channel where we post clips from episodes, shorts from episodes. Catch us there. There's content coming out all the time. We also have a TikTok account that we're beginning to more regularly use. Also, check out our Patreon if you want more bonus content. That's www.patreon.com slash TNQAF. Yes, uh, recently we released a commentary on Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Check that out. And, um, and other exciting things, which again, we're going to go more into for uh, 2024. So stay tuned for updates on that. All right. So until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. And to quote another Nickelodeon project, I think we can sing. I think what we've learned today is that we can all sing pretty damn well, except for Ben Stein.